Audie, I can't believe you've done this for our family. We're now going to be the richest people in the entire world. I know. I don't know how much money we stand to make because I'm not really good at all the odds and stuff. I don't really know. But I know that we're getting ready to place a $10 billion bet on a surefire winner. A proven winner. A proven winner. And the, you know what the greatest part about it is, Artie? We did this with nobody knowing. And tomorrow we're going to be on Forbes magazine, the cover of it. First trillionaires. Overnight trillionaires. We, everybody already knew who we were, but if they didn't, they're going to. The first thing I want to do with my trillion dollars is kill Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg so nobody is even remotely even close to the wealth we've accumulated. We've just broken the entire system. I completely agree. We, we won the game and it was as simple as <coughs> becoming a billionaire already and then donating that billion dollars in the rigged game of the Kentucky Derby. Yes, buy, buy a gambling thing, bet on the horse that you know is going to win. Why hasn't anyone done this before? We're fucking brilliant! You're brilliant, Artie! I know, I'm so excited, and I got to say, I love your beautiful, beautiful hat. Oh, thank you, thank you. How do I look? Overall? You look stunning. Thank you. Do you like the sundress I picked out for this occasion? I do, and there's no doubt you're going to be the most beautiful woman there. Am I prettier than all of the other, you know, beautiful Kentucky Derby models? You're not going to be looking at them at all? You're only going to be looking at your mama? Well, of course. And, and you know the Kardashians will be there, but I won't be looking at the Kardashians. Oh, I've my got... party. You know how to count. You won't even be looking at Courtney. No, least of all Courtney. If anything, Chloe. Oh, my That is so rude. Okay. When, when do we get to, when, did you already place the bet? Is it out of the account? Well, no, I've got to check right here. We need to go over to the betting window and talk to Petro. Okay. Is that the, is that the betting window over there? Uh, no, that's the ticket window. And then there's the official betting window. But around the corner here, if you just walk around the side of the building... Why, why do we have? Why do we have to go back here? That's where he said. To I don't know. That's just where the side window is. It be, is. Is, is, is it because it's such a large bet? They need somebody to come out and you know vet the situation. I think maybe that's a probably what's it, that's probably what it okay, is. But okay. Okay. He, he said there's a window over here. So. Okay. Hello. How you doing? How can I help you? Well. This wasn't, you just like slid open the side, that little window in the side of a dumpster. That's not what I thought. Why are you inside a dumpster? Hey, why, why are you worried about what dumpster I'm inside of? What the fuck is your problem, buddy? Get the fuck out of here. Well, you said that there's the official betting window over there. I just don't you know You want to make a bet? Get... You want to make a bet? Then make a bet. The derby starts in, tw the derby starts in 20 minutes. How are you going to, you going to come over to my window or are you going to make a bet? Yeah, I'm gonna... I, you're Petro, right? I talked to you on the phone. Yeah, I'm Petro. Yeah, I'm the Kaplan. I'm the one placing the $10 billion bet on Seabiscuit. You're doing what now? You're placing... You want to place a $10 billion bet on Seabiscuit? Well, yeah, he's a sure-fired absolute winner. $10 billion. 
Yes, I talked to you on the phone. That would make you $500 billion if you want. Alright, right. You want to make you want to place ten billion on Seabiscuit, and you realize that if Seabiscuit doesn't win, I don't. You have ten billion dollars? Yes, it's right here. Here's the check. Okay. You can look that over. Yep. And I just want to say, you said something. You know, as a as a person that accepts bets at the Kentucky Derby, I thought you would know more about horses, but Seabiscuit is the best horse there ever was and is. He's going to win. He's already won this thing before. Set world record. Mr. DeCaplany, I know. Seabiscuit is a legend dairy horse. Odds are against her 10 to 1. But I, this is the bet I would have went with. This is what I would have told you to do. Well, thank you. So I think you made a good decision here. I can't wait to make a lot of money with you. Uh, and All right. In future, have, have you as a future client. Yes, I'm very excited to winning $500 billion. Welcome back to NBC's coverage of the Kentucky Derby. That's right, folks. It's back, despite COVID, Artie DeCaplany, local billionaire, brought it back, and I'm here, I'm, I'm here as always, your host, you Snicket, here with my good friend and co-host Bartholomew Hamilton, who's never been to the Kentucky Derby before, isn't that so? No, never before, Eustace, and this is my first time, and I just gotta say, I am so psyched to see those horses go around that track. I think... I think I speak for all of the fans at home in saying that this is just a pleasure to be hosting this. Well, let's not kid ourselves, Bartholomew, co-hosting. You're, you're right, Eustace. Now, Bartholomew, one of the weirdest traditions of the Kentucky Derby that has still stayed true to this day, even despite one year's absence due to that nasty coronavirus, it's... The ladies in wild and wacky hats. Look down there, Bartholomew. Kim Kardashian in one of the wildest oh. and wackiest hats I've ever seen. What is that? It looks like two kookaburras fighting. Well, you know the kookaburra always goes to the kookaburra tree. That is true, and she's got legs for days, Bartholomew. Quite like a tree, you might say. That ass is something that was made on God's green earth, and I'm so fortunate that we get to look at it. I would completely agree with you, Bartholomew. The horses are about to get going here. Let's just display some odds up on the board. We've got a couple winning horses. Uh, Crisp Apple, the odds-on favorite to win today, uh, been racing and has won the last three circuits leading up to today. So a lot of pressure on that jockey. Crisp, Ap Crisp Apple, definitely a contender. Definitely a contender. I think Crisp Apple has the chance of being the greatest horse to ever go down in the Kentucky Derby. I would have to agree with that, Bartholomew. Of course, Seabiscuit created the all-time record at the Kentucky Derby, yet to be defeated. But the fans at home are asking, Mark Hamill says on Twitter, could Crisp Apple be better than Seabiscuit? People are already starting to ask this, Eustace. Now, of course, Bartholomew, that would be a huge 
upset, of course, because Seabiscuit's record has stood since 1938 and even since her demise, her death in 1947. But if anybody's going to do it today, it's going to be Crisp Apple. Crisp Apple. NBC would like us to honor Seabiscuit in this special one-minute moment of silence. They just don't make them like Seabiscuit anymore. Mild-mannered, even gate, beautiful mane. A triple crown? At such a young age? After so many losses? Seabiscuit sired some of the best horses racing had ever seen. When you see a horse come up with the background like Seabiscuit, you don't put a bet on it in their first derby. No, no. Any horse that has a film adaptation about their life, I mean, that just makes you sit back and take it, take notice. NBC honors the memory of Seabiscuit today. Gotta admire the chutzpah of a person to name their horse my winning horse. That's right, Eustace. And if they don't win today, how foolish are they going to be when they go home to their family and friends? Well, Bartholomew, you got that right. Folks at home, we're just moments away. We're going to head down to the track to our track correspondent, Leslie Moonvez. Hi! Leslie is joining us here by earpiece and uh she's giving us a look at the kentucky derby oh my god guys the horse's penises are so big leslie that's very inappropriate we have to remind you that this is uh nbc you know this is national television um they pee so much can you please point up to can you please point up towards the horses and not aim the camera at their penis leslie That's right, Sean Penn is running, and statistically speaking, his penis is most likely the smallest out of all of the horses. That's right, Bartholomew. The organizers of this year's derby had an unusually hard time gathering together horses after the coronavirus canceled last year's derby. Most of the jockeys killed their horses, having no use for them with the derby being canceled. And of course, according to President Trump, that is fake news. Can we all just have a moment to denounce our president well folks it's time it is time for the 146th kentucky derby the jockeys are lined up the horses are raring and it's about time to release those wild penises there's just nothing you can describe to just say what the crowd is like here eustace i mean listen to these roaring people they're on the edge of their seats bartholomew this is the largest turnout this is the largest turnout of any Kentucky Derby ever so far. And of course, the coronavirus disappeared the day that Joe Biden was elected president in a conspiracy. So we're now able to be joined in big mass groups again, hugging and kissing. Yes, and thank God we don't have to wear those terrible masks anymore. Thank you, Joe Biden, for ending the corona. Blind Melanoff to a big lead. 
Blind Melon quickly, quickly falling into second by Crisp Apple. Crisp Apple taking an early lead, darting a few leagues ahead of the other horses. Coming up close and behind, though, is hashtag cancel Artie, an activist's horse trying to bring down the owner of the Derby. Actor Sean Penn in a distant ninth. We're getting to the first bend. Crisp Apple making a tight turn, not letting Disc Prancer get anywhere close. Disc Prancer in fourth. Oh my god, look at this Bartholomew. Honey, I shrunk the kids making a bolt from fifth all the way to second. Honey, I shrunk the kids coming up on Crisp Apple. They're neck and neck going along this straightaway. Nobody would have thought this kind of action would be happening, but all the way at the back of the race, Sean Penn has overtaken Blind Melon and is now actively in this race. Sean Penn, I, Sean Penn, Sean, the crowd's, you're roaring, Sean. Early on in the race though, Chris Apple still has a huge, almost insurmountable lead over Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Disc Prancer. That's right, Eustace. I think the number one spot is indisputed at this point. Crisp Apple is just so further ahead. This is this is now just going to be a race between Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Disprancer for second and third. Who are going to be our podium finishers? And as the time closes in, we're nearing Seabiscuit's record. And is she going to do it? Yes! Crisp Apple! Crisp Apple! Yes! Crisp Apple takes home... The Kentucky Derby crown, not only that, she's done it in half the time of the record set by the legendary Seabiscuit, God rest her soul, over 60 years now. What? Oh my god, did we win? No. That was Seabiscuit, right? Going along the finish line? No, she didn't even run. I need to talk to somebody. Come on. Excuse me. Excuse me. Hi, I placed the bet on Sea Biscuit, and she didn't even run. Uh, I need a refund. Uh, I'm sorry, sir. You said you play. Excuse. What? You placed a bet on Sea Biscuit? Yes, I have my ticket right here. I placed a ten billion dollar bet on Sea Biscuit. And she didn't even run. Now, I don't know about you, but I would refund me because she did didn't you, even run. Did you place our bet in our facility, sir? Well, I, I placed it with Petro in the dumpster. Petro is not affiliated with our facility, sir. You did not make this bet through us. You're going to have to take this back and take it up with Pedro. But I can tell you that Seabiscuit died over 60 years ago. Yeah, I just found out. Well, Fuck say- you. Well, say it, don't spray it, sir. I am a person, and you cannot talk to me like that. In the fact, fuck that- off and die. I hope you fuck off and die, sir. That really hurt my feelings. Where's this fucking Pietro? Fuck that kid, Pietro. Fuck you. Wake up. What are you? Hey, wh- how you doing, Audie the Caplany? Seabiscuit didn't even race. Give me my money back. She wasn't even alive for like 60 years. What? You're the dumbass who came up and made a bet on Seabiscuit. Fucking retard. Why did you take it? That's not moral. That's not just. I'm a fucking guy in a dumpster taking bets. You expect me to be moral? You think there was anything moral about what was going on down here? You said you worked for did me. Did you get your billions through being moral? Yes. I wrote I can a book you, about... I can tell you right now, man. You, you don't get billions being a good person. I can promise you you're not a good person. 
we wrote a book about the the lord Anybody that was a fucking a bestseller. Hitler, Hitler wrote a book. Mine fucking cough. Now get the fuck out of my face and uh, looks like I'm a billionaire. You can't be serious. Well, I, I'll be ruined. That, that was everything I had. That was every cent I had. You only had ten billion. What do you mean I only had ten Make billion? Make another ten billion. It could be that hard for a smart guy like you, right? You're a real fucking asshole, Petro, you know that? Here's the thing, Artie DeCaplin. You thought you were gonna go your entire life unchecked. You think you can win in some sort of fucking political thing for incest? You're fucking disgusting. Huh. Incest is fucking gross, man. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes you. Everybody wants to get rid of the incest thing. It's fucking weird. What do you mean? The, Everybody you think, loves Artifact. You are so out of touch with the whole, you know, country that you don't even know that everybody thinks it, we, we widely regard it as one of the worst decisions we've ever made. <sighs> you think just because you wrote it into the fucking Constitution that we were going to think it was great? Fuck you, Artie. You're not very nice, Petro. Now give me my ten billion dollars. You just don't get it, do you? You're nothing anymore. You're nothing. I'm everything. You're nothing. You just gave me all your wealth. This won't be the last you see of me. Fuck you. Did you find him? Artie! Did, Artie, Artie, did you find him? I got lost in the crowd. Why'd you leave me like that? Brenda, there's a... No easy way to put this, but, uh, he's not going to give us our money back. He's, he's what? He's not going to give us our money back? He's saying it was our fault for betting on a horse that's been dead for 60 years. We really did bet on a horse that was dead for 60 years? Yes, you should have told me, but you were so excited to bet on Seabiscuit. I should have told you? To not bet on a horse that was dead for 60 years? I told you from the very beginning, Artie, that I knew nothing about the Kentucky Derby. You did this without me even knowing. This was all your idea from the beginning, Brenda. Don't try to say it wasn't. You, you told me... About? You just lost all of our money. I wrote that book for you, and now we have none of it. Well... I don't know what to say. I mean, I thought... We still have the Kentucky Derby, but we don't have any money to even pay the bills. So we're probably going to lose that. What are we going to do? I don't know, maybe a second edition of our book? Get a divorce? What? What, what do people do? What do people do when they lose all their money? I don't know, I'm just saying, you know. Let's go, I know what they do. Let's go to the liquor store. <laughs> There's one right around the corner. Yeah, a glass of, glass of wine does sound really good right now. No, not wine, baby. We're getting Jose. One round with Jose Cuervo. I caught my boots tapping along with the feet. And after two rounds with Jose Cuervo, that band was sounding pretty darn good to me. Welcome to Motave. 
Welcome back to Motife. We're a little bit closer. I don't know if you can feel it, but we're a little, the gap has narrowed a little bit. We missed a couple weeks of recording, not missed, but strategically missed a few weeks of recording. Now we're a little bit closer. We're about two weeks away from everybody now, I think. Right, instead of like six. Yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow, when we're recording this for perspective for you, <laughs> tomorrow is the election election day folks but of course this is coming out weeks afterwards so we're not even going to mention it because we don't know what happened yet nope we're all we're going to be anxiously awaiting it but i think that's it exactly we are actually going to be having a discussion about the new film borat subsequent movie film which uh i'm just going to call borat 2 for the rest of the the podcast here but for background information Borat is my favorite comedy movie. Yes, definitely. I think it is the epitome of comedy in film, at least. Um, it's it's genius because it's like nothing like that had ever been done before where he integrated like real life shit into an actual just narrative. It's exactly. fucking genius. Like how he, he's so masterful at pinning people in situations and shit. It's really brilliant. I don't think that Borat 2 tarnishes the legacy of Borat, but I will say that I was overall disappointed in the movie. Though I enjoyed watching it, um, I think there was no doubt that it was not going to live up to the... Those were my um, thoughts exactly. And you know what... My, like, I laughed throughout the entire movie. You know, I'm like, this is outrageous, unbelievable. But when it all came down to it after it ended, I'm like, that just wasn't that good. Right. Now, I want to say, like, what it was better than, like, The Dictator, also another Sasha Baron Cohen movie. And... Definitely better not, than The Dictator. It's not better than Bruno. Not by any Bruno means better than Bruno. certainly better than Borat 2. Um, I took a shit ton of notes um, while I was... I just... Pretty much, I watched it alone. Uh, Taylor was at work, and um, we live in separate states, so you and I couldn't watch it together. Uh-huh. Um, so pretty much any time I would have like turned to the person I would have been watching with and made a comment, I just wrote it down. The first thing I wrote down was that they turned Azimot into a chair. Yeah, yeah with his balls hanging f- out. <laughs> That was so disgusting. I know. Just like right off the bat. Because first of all, huge negative point that it didn't have Azimot in it. And I think that's like what can be gleaned from that first bullet Oh, that's what you were thinking? That they're like, oh, that's their way of getting rid of a good character. Right. Well, and I don't know why that... I don't know if it's just because of, like, the COVID restrictions or whatever, because, I mean, it was filmed, like, right at the beginning of quarantine, or... I I don't know, but I couldn't understand why that guy wouldn't come back. Like, why wouldn't that guy be in the movie? So I feel like they just kind of decided to go in a completely different route. But I... I missed Azimut. And you know who else I missed? Lunel. Oh, yeah, Lunel. I didn't even think about her. You know, there's that other black lady. I thought she was, like, a different... She was like the new Linnell, I guess. Right. She's not Linnell. Well, and even then, he mentions at the beginning of the movie, he says something about his wife, which at the end of Borat is Lunell. 
Now, I know it's 14 years later, but come on. And at the time, I had just watched something. I don't fucking remember what it was. But I was watching some show with Taylor, and Lunell was in it. So she's still around. She's still acting. You can't yeah, tell me I've she didn't want to be in Yeah, I've seen Lunell and things. And, you know, it. I've also seen Azimat and things. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think I really think that he was just trying to take a completely different direction with this flick. Must have been. And, like, it's fine, but... That's that's one of the first things I I made a note of, and it was a nasty set. It was a nasty like prop too. Oh, the chair! Um, yeah, it really was. The first uh, right away, the first interaction that they have, I don't remember it because the movie's honestly pretty forgettable. But I wrote Halloween store. Oh yeah, I remember. They're at the Halloween store. He's trying to find a mask, and there's that. Uh, there's that uh, scene. There's a the cheesy Borat reporter. Costume. Yeah, yeah, and he's it, so. The only thing I wrote about it was that it just instantly seemed fake to me. That whole interaction, yeah, that was definitely staged. There's a whole the whole movie. You see a recurring theme. I'm warring with myself over whether I believe it's real or not because. There are so many move moments in the original movie that I mean you can tell where which mo- which moments are scripted and which yeah, moments exactly. aren't it's you know, but it's to me it's clear cut that's scripted I think, that's not that's scripted that's not. I think it's about twenty five percent of the movie is actual real interaction. Right. The only real thing I can even think of right off the top of my head is maybe the plastic surgeon and. Maybe mm-hmm. that feminist thing that they went in that she did, where she was given that speech right. about how she just masturbated. May I think that could have been real, but none of it seemed real. No, none of it seemed real, and it was I was really disappointed. Definitely not him hanging out what... with those guys for weeks. Like, mm-hmm. why? Why that would they ever real. not question the like cameraman with him or anything? It's just exactly. Like, <laughs> did they exactly. did he really expect us to believe that that was like real? So much of it was, in the first movie, you can tell there are hidden cameras by the quality of the camera, yeah. the placement of the cameras. You can tell it's genuine, like, hidden cameras, someone in the back of a van or, you know, what the fuck ever. But all of these, almost every single interaction that he had that was supposed, that would have been on hidden camera in the original film, was filmed with somebody just there with a camera. Yeah, exactly. So the whole time I'm like, no matter what, even everybody's mic'd up perfectly, like, right? Supposedly in these big situations, even if they don't know who Borat is, even if they're not like I'm in Borat, they know they're being filmed, so nothing that they're doing is genuine. Period. No, you're absolutely right, and but you know this brings me back to the regular Borat, which I wanted to talk to you about. Do you the best scene in the, one of the best scenes in the movie is where he goes and goes do not fear me gypsy hold on do do not something gypsy like what is he what does he say I I'm blanking uh, on it right now don't give me your tears gypsy or I will thank <laughs> please them please give me your tears gypsy or I will thank them like <laughs> I I recently realized that I think that scene is fake oh. Because the whole point of that scene is that he goes there and he finds the Baywatch. What are the chances that this well, random right. woman 
I just always took that to, I thought that her interaction was real, and then they just put that Baywatch thing there to find and steal. You're, you're probably right, and they're just like, hey, this is like what's going to happen, you know, after they had like the interaction. Right. Just, okay. Yeah, okay, you're right. Okay, that makes me, but that doesn't get, that doesn't make it right that the second movie is just a complete fucking, sh- like, I, here's my whole thought about it. I think this movie was fucking orchestrated by Sasha Baron Cohen as like a political statement. It was very just like, you could tell that he was trying to just demonize the Republican Party, which I think is a good thing, but it, you can just tell throughout the entire movie that it seemed rushed. That's my main point, is that he, he definitely pushed it right out just before the election. Like, it just seemed like it was rushed, and if they would have spent more time doing it, it would have been a lot better. Right, and it, it I understood the reason, I guess, for, like, like you're saying, to make it about the Republican Party and, and Donald Trump and, like, all of that mess. But at the same time, there wasn't really um an underlying message to borat really i mean there is but like not this was just out and out making fun of donald trump yeah just like every other republican and just like every other facet of media today yeah it's it's just just like the same shit like haha the president is dumb and i know personally that sasha barrett cohen really doesn't like the guy right and it's just like okay like I don't know. It just seemed really like he tarnished the legacy of Borat just to fucking take a jab at President Trump. Like, I think he's one of those people who are like, this problem is so serious that I have to, that I'm willing to tarnish the legacy of my best work to make a statement about it. Right. And maybe it it is. really bad. Maybe it is, but can we just rest in peace, Borat as a whole? Like, I I feel like it affects the uh the likeness of borat and everything because it's like you're never gonna be able to watch borat now without going why the fuck did they make borat 2 you're right i um another thing i wrote here um the recurring ups scene or i guess like the facts it wasn't a ups oh yeah i I thought that was funny machine guy i thought it was funny but then after a while i'm like okay well this guy's obviously in on it yeah, I, I mean, I think, like, the first interaction, you know, it reminded me of the first movie where they had that hotel worker read him the right. fucking, uh, whatever, the telegram. the telegram, yeah. I was like, okay, this would be funny if they could do that again, but it's obviously, he's in on it. Right. Um, one of the moments that first made me kind of be like, okay, this is this is a moment that could be in the first movie was when she uh his daughter comes out wearing the plastic bag as the dress yeah at that dress store right and they, it like started to kind of go somewhere but then like anything else in the movie that kind of starts to feel like it's going somewhere they cut to something else yeah i thought the same thing every time it was kind of like they didn't get enough footage of anything so so they just like created everything was like a montage and so you, it would start to go somewhere, and then I'm they saying. would be like, it's "Okay, rushed. cut to something else." Yeah, it was really bad because I'm like, they should have like gone more into that because it it started to go somewhere, you know? It was starting to be like, "Oh no, like that's that's the bag," but then they cut. So I'm like, that it was just like you said, very rushed. Um, 
Do, do, do. I also said some of the best things, some of the best reactions, like he starts humiliating his daughter in front of people. Yeah. All of the things that he says are in another language, so they don't react at all. That seemed like just an instant missed opportunity. Why not berate her in English and have them have him say these horrible things to his daughter in front of these people just to get one more fucking reaction out of him. It was just a missed I opportunity. I have no fucking me. clue. I really wonder what the fuck this guy was thinking. I didn't really realize I had this strong opinion against it until we started talking because it kind of pisses me off. Right. This said, oh, yeah, so then there's that moment when he goes to buy a cake and... He wants the he wants the girl to like write something on it about like hating Jews like yeah. Jews will die or something like that. Yeah. I said this is what I wrote. I mean they're not even trying to hide the camera. This is all fake. There's just a guy standing there filming them in the bakery. Of course she's gonna write Jews on the cake. You know what I mean? There's yeah, no exactly. chance for her to to object because she's like I'm being filmed. Obviously this is a joke. Right. Otherwise she never would have done that. She would have been like no I'm not gonna write. You know what I mean? This is and where it seemed kind of disingenuous, though, because if they're trying to pass it off as it being real, then they're just like, oh, look, this conservative lady is against Jews, this conservative redneck seeming right. woman. I just think it seems, it's just snaky. Yeah. If that is the case, if, they, if that's the reason, you're right. Here's another one where I'm like, I don't know what it's about, but I said... Right, but they're being filmed, so don't they realize they're in a movie or, like, something odd is going on? Why isn't this hidden camera? <laughs> what did you think about the scene with her uh, where she did the period dance? Oh, that's honestly, that was my next bullet point. Um, because I, I said it kind of made it, they set it up to be sort of a parallel to that scene in the first movie where he goes to the etiquette party, the dinner party, where he then invites Lunell over and, like, shits in the bag and all of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even the woman seemed to be just like the uh, the, the woman from the, the dinner party coach. in the first Borat. I right. thought they looked really so, similar. Right, so I'm like, okay, so naturally I'm going to compare them. Obviously the scene in the first movie was a mile, 400 million times better. One of the best the scenes of all part, time. The only part of this that was memorable was them showing her free bleeding vagina and they didn't even show like the audience's reaction really that much and at the same time those people knew they were being filmed exactly so, so they're just like oh what are they doing here right and at that point my next bullet point says how is there an hour left oh <laughs> you got to that point with it oh god what i'll ask you at the end what rating you gave it um right then I, I, I did like the lady at the plastic surgery office. I wrote down it was a Pam Tucker cameo, the lady that worked at Samuel's. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and I loved, there was something where uh, Borat referred to the doctors as perverts, and she did, like, she just went along with it. She's like, you're right, like, the perverts, you know, I don't remember what it was because it's been so long now, so. Um, I don't remember that exactly. Oh, okay, and then, okay, so then he comes, they go away, they're like, you need $20,000 to, to, uh, to get this surgery, right? Yeah, he goes so he away, goes to the fucking barber back, shop. Right, and he comes back with $20,000 in $1 bills. Uh-huh. And he hands it to her in a bag, 
Now, in the first movie, this would have been a moment where she goes, hundred hundred. He just, honey, he just gave me a hundred thousand dollars. Hundred thousand. She goes, okay, thanks. I'm like, it's fake. You know what I mean? Because like, yeah. if somebody showed up there and tried to pay for a plastic surgery in tw- in ones, they would react more than okay, thank you. Right. Yeah. This is making me really mad. Right. Um. That that's really irritating that he did that. Everything is fake. Maybe not even. Maybe like ten percent of the movie is. Maybe not even that. Maybe every single part of it's fake. Right. I did love the part. Um, you remember in the original movie, there's that extra clip where he goes to the grocery store and he's like, oh, what is this? That's oh, cheese. yeah. Yeah. Oh, what is this? <laughs> That's cheese. That's also cheese. <laughs> it remind, they, they kind of did a similar joke in the <laughs> barber shop when he's cutting the guy's hair and shows him every piece that he cuts off. <laughs> right. He's like, That's fine. Snip. <laughs> That's fine. That part made me laugh. Yeah, that was one of the good moments yeah. that that got me. This is where I had a realization at some point where um, I said, it's just an improv movie. It's not real like Borat might have been. These are mostly actors, yeah. at least the black babysitter is. And she's just kind of playing along and making it up as she goes. Perhaps they even chose a bad actress on purpose so they could get more stunned reactions. But in general, she's just too fake and obviously a part of it. Wow. So I yeah, I think, think you're right. Yeah, that they're like, they're like, okay, you're you're a babysitter, and just react how you would react if this happened. Because the whole the whole time she's just kind of like, okay, it, right. she, I don't know. That was her reaction to everything. Like she did right. what now, honey? She's that's so. If that's not true, that is so rude to the actress. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> just like they probably intentionally got a bad actor to play her. And she's just, I tried my best. Right. What is that? There was another moment. Um, they go into the. He goes into the synagogue, um, and that's when he meets the two Jewish women. Which uh, I don't know if you. I've seen so many articles about this beforehand, but the that's like he revealed his true identity to these women. They were in on it, essentially, is what... Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. And, um... But the line, he said, uh, Use your venom and finish me. I am very depressed. (laughs) (laughs) I thought was so fucking funny. funny. I thought was so funny. I thought the interaction with them was funny, like, that he came in just dressed up as a fucking... <laughs> right, he's like coming in, and, and he has like, these the, yeah. two sweet old Jewish women. Um, this was another part. Um, so then he goes out and he gets that he, he. This is when he runs into the quarantine guys, and he ends up going to stay with them for four days. He's like, he says he goes up to the guy, which this is as it's set up, just some guy coming that he ran into on the streets or something. Like and that. he's like, what? Yeah, he's like, where is everyone? And he's like, they want everyone to quarantine. He's like, I have nowhere to go. I stay with you. And he goes, yeah. Yeah. Fucking yeah. Shit. A Republican guy And then like proceeds that. to spend four days in quarantine with them. How stupid does Sasha Baron Cohen think we are? I, I hope he's, like, come out and said, like, yeah, this is, like, an artsy flick meant to 
it's meant to like replicate what real life is like, but it's just an approximation to real life. Well, all I know is he's going around saying that he really did spend four days locked up with these two, with these two like conspiracy theorists. He's going saying that he really did stay in character for those four days, and that that really did happen. I don't buy it for a fucking second. I don't either. Not a fucking second. And I just want to say. Um, they mentioned in there, those two conspiracy theorists, he was like, they mentioned something about Barack Obama going to jail. I yeah. just want to flat out say, Barack Obama will never sit in a jail cell, and I hope that burns the ears of any Republican listener. <laughs> oh, my God. will never see jail time. He did nothing wrong. You're deluded. You're, ab- I, you're <laughs> absolutely right. Uh. It's scary that just actual authoritarianism is fomenting in the background of the entire film. Uh, In what uh, way? Because, like, just the whole time, there's, like, all these, like, Trump supporters being like, fucking die! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bad. Complete out-and-out brainwashing. Inject him when he sings the song, what are we going to do? Inject him with the Wuhan flu. And he's, like, getting the whole crowd of Republicans to sing that. My only reaction is just my fucking god. It was it was making me like really like uncomfortable. It was making me yeah. really uncomfortable too because everybody it's just like they're all in the same wavelength of like okay yeah we got to kill that guy. Right, it's bad. Kill Doctor Fauci. I'm like what? And they're like wow, what are we gonna do? Give him Wuhan flu. I'm like oh my god. And those are like people were. That are voting tomorrow. It's like every scene in the movie is analogous to a better scene in Borat. Like, obviously, that's supposed to be, like, the scene where they're at the rodeo. Let George right. Bush drink the blood of every man, woman, and child in Iraq. <laughs> yeah. Like, that yeah. one was so much better. <laughs> Hands down. Um, and then the last couple things I wrote down, you know, obviously, there's a lot of talk about Rudy Giuliani and what happened in the movie. I think there's no doubt what his intentions were. Yeah, he wa- he wanted he was I thought he was creepy the entire fucking time just looking at him. I'm like, if anybody's a fucking lizard man, it's him. Right, and there's there's no doubt. I just want to also say in his defense, there's no doubt that that actress is not 15. She doesn't pass for 15. No, she doesn't look underage at all. She looks like she's 25. He had every reason to assume that she was of the right age yeah. because she doesn't look like she's 15 at all. But there was no doubt that he had intention to have sex with her. He definitely... He th- what I kind of thought it was is he's like, the universe is really throwing me a fucking bone right now. Okay. This hot, right. yeah, this hot reporter wants to get with me. Sweet. Like, right. I, I've heard people say that he was just reaching into his uh, pants to undo his mic because they put it up there. Or tucking in but his like, shirt. He was... Yeah. He could have been, but he was also about to take out his fucking dick. I don't know why yeah, they didn't let no it happen, doubt. though. <laughs> right, because then Borat busts in, like, no, no. But it seemed it seemed like they were really trying to get him because they probably never told him that this girl is 15. And then it comes out like, right. he's like, well, come on, she's too old for you, she's 15. And it's just like, oh, no. <laughs> I don't know, it just seemed like it was all made for like that little clip to, like, got him. Right, exactly. The whole movie leads up to that moment. And it's just like, oh, okay. And then they do the running of the American, which I thought was funny. That was funny, But yeah. it was stupid. Yeah, I'd, I'd much rather see the running of the Jew. 
Now, I gave the movie, after all is said and done, I still want to say Borat will have and still does have a five-star rating. But Borat's subsequent movie film, I gave a one-star review. Oh! And my review said, and this was a point I didn't bring up, Borat Margaret Sagdiev. Minus point five. Because his middle name's Margaret? Or you're just, that, like, so yes, done with that's, it? That's so fucking stupid. <laughs> Why? His name, his middle name would not be fucking Margaret. His neighbor's name is Nishuktan Tuliagbai. And you mean to tell me that <laughs> Borat Sagdiev's middle name is fucking Margaret? It's not. That's stupid. Yeah. I, I didn't have that strong of opinions towards it, but it's pretty cheesy. Right. Really cheesy. God. A one star, though, I was thinking, like, I was like, maybe three. I don't know why I'm thinking about... Right, you're, but our conversation leads me to believe it is like a one-star flick. Like, I'm never it's gonna... Bad. I'm never gonna watch it again. In all honesty, I wish I hadn't watched it to begin with. It's not as bad as, say, like, the silent... Jay and Silent Bob reboot that we, like, couldn't even get through five minutes oh, of. Oh, dude, that was so bad. It's at least watchable. It's, um... And it's got funny moments, but it is a... They, uh, very, very disappointing, empty, and hollow uh, sequel to one of the greatest comedies of all time. Wow, strong words. <laughs> really strong. So bad. Really strong. Worth watching only if you have nothing else to watch. And If you're not a fan of the first Borat, don't bother. Um, yeah. If you aren't. And if you are, you're going to be disappointed. So like, maybe just don't watch it at all. I liked the uh, I liked this uh, Austin Zach Zero Zero uh, movie club review. Yeah, that, that's kind of what some of our episodes have turned into. What you did right. it of uh, that Pete Davidson movie, right? Yeah, I th- we talked about it for a little bit. I think. Did, yeah, did, yeah. Did, going to. What's the other one we did? Well, in the past, we did the Austin Zach Zero Zero book club. And uh, with the Regis Philbin book, and we did a whole podcast on that. Oh, that was we the did do that. I was thinking of. I would like to do that now, again. I would too. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to find something uh, good, another similar book. We tried. We, you know, the Austin Zach Zero Zero Book Club died on our second book, Born Standing Up by Steve Martin. Oop, it yeah, wasn't very good. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't. And it, it killed an, a, a, a thriving book club. <laughs> <laughs> With what we were so excited about the book club after the first book, and then the second book, Steve Martin fucking ruined it. So fuck you, Steve Martin. Thanks a lot, Steve. Fuck you, Steve. <laughs> well, that'll do it for this week. Uh, until next time, stay out. Oh, Maynard, Maynard.